Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Big run. He's at the 40, 35, 30, 20, and he's inside the red zone. He's trekked down from behind, down to the 19-yard line. We're talking Colts and recapping the action. 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about an Indianapolis scores on a block punt? Settles in, floats it downfield, and it is picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it inside the 30-yard line, and it's Shaq Leonard. Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight on a Tuesday. We're brought to you tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 6.30 tonight again on this Tuesday. On early tonight, the Pacers are in action tonight in Philadelphia. And again, normally this show, it airs on Mondays, recapping games on Sundays. But yesterday, uh, a day of rest and reacclimation for the Colts getting back into the United States after their big win in Germany over the weekend. Coming up in just a few minutes, I'll be joined by Colts head coach Shane Steichen, per usual on this program. He's en route right now heading down to the studio to recap the win over the Patriots. And then we'll also be joined tonight by Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights as normal starting on segment number two. And throughout the show tonight, we're taking your questions on social media. Send those in on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Colts, though, they were victorious in Frankfurt on Sunday, beating the Patriots 10-6 to in the lowest-scoring game the NFL has seen so far this year. It started off like it might be a shootout. Both teams scored on their first drives of the game. The Colts converted a fourth and goal inside the one-yard line with a Jonathan Taylor touchdown run on the opening possession, but they wouldn't score again until the fourth quarter on a Matt Gay 51-yard field goal. The 10 points scored for the Colts, their lowest this season, and the first time they've been held under 20 points all season. And despite the low numbers on offense, it was enough because the Colts' defense was that good all day long against the Patriots. The Colts held New England to only six points, which was a single-game season best by the Colts' defense and their fewest points allowed since Week 13, 2021 at Houston. Indianapolis racked up five sacks, including a career day from Dio Adangbo. He had three sacks in the game's first 18 minutes, and the Colts also had six tackles for loss and two interceptions. The Colts also gave up no touchdowns for the game as the Patriots were 0 for 4 inside the red zone. The Patriots had a clear game plan to slow down Jonathan Taylor at the beginning of the game and that running game for the Colts. They primarily did that throughout, but the Colts receivers, they stepped up in a big way, making clutch catches on offense. Alec Pierce, he had a leaping contested grab of 21 yards in the first half. Michael Pittman Jr. fought off a Patriots defensive back for a 14-yard grab for a key first down. And then rookie Josh Downs playing less than 100% with a knee injury. He made the play of the day on a 28-yard diving catch late in the fourth quarter that prevented the Colts from having to punt from their own end zone. Outside of a dang bow on defense, Zaire Franklin had another monster game, 15 tackles for the third time this season. He continues to lead the NFL in 10-plus tackle games this season. DeForest Buckner had eight tackles and a tackle for loss and was his usual disruptive force. And the Colts also had those two picks, one from Julian Blackman in the red zone in the fourth quarter that stopped a Patriots scoring drive. And then Rodney Thomas had the game-sealing interception on backup Bailey Zappi after the Patriots benched Mac Jones on the final drive of the game. So the Colts are now 5-5 five and five on the season. They head into the bye week. And they're in third place in the AFC South. They've got a chance to get on a roll. There's seven games to play, 
and they'll return to the game field the Sunday after Thanksgiving, a home game coming up for the Colts against the Buccaneers at Lucas Oil Stadium. Again, coming up on segment number two tonight, we'll be joined by Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Get their thoughts on the win against the Patriots. We'll take your social media questions uh, later on in the program as well. But as promised, now time to lead off the show with our weekly chat with the head coach of the Colts, Shane Steichen, as he's made his way into the studio here today, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Coach, congratulations on the win against the Patriots, a win in Germany. How satisfying was it to, to get that win with a very abnormal week of logistics and traveling involved as well? Yeah, no, it's huge uh, to go overseas and get that victory against the New England Patriot team. Um, was awesome. Um, it was a great experience going over there. You know, a special shout-out to all the people in the organization that helped put that, you know, trip together, mm-hmm. uh, operations side of it. I mean, I mean, every single person, there were so many hands on deck uh, to get that thing wired up, and it was a very clean um, operation going over there. Uh, but, again, just big to get the win uh, over there uh, in Germany. Are you are you back adjusted to Eastern time zone yet? I feel pretty good, actually. <laughs> you know, we did a good job uh, as far as the schedule is concerned going over there, you know, sleeping on the plane that red eye Thursday night and, you know, getting there at, like, noon, I think it was, on Germany time, 7, or, 7 o'clock on our bodies. Yep. You know, as long as guys, you know, got good rest on that plane, tried to keep them on, you know, a normal schedule as possible. Um, But, yeah, feel pretty good. How did you see the team gel and come together, become closer because of the trip and the circumstances surrounding the travel and and being together for – three and a half, four straight days there. Yeah, no, it was great. It was like, uh, I looked at it like a long road trip, um, but it was great uh, to see the bonding with the guys, you know, the plane ride and going over there. And they, you know, they had some opportunity to go down into the city and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, see Germany uh, was awesome. But again, we were over there to win a football game was the was the mindset and the focus. And that's what we got done. And then the stadium, the atmosphere, the crowd, the energy in the stadium. I mean, those, those German fans, to me, it was proof as to why the NFL is there in the first place, because those fans and that crowd, they were into the game. Oh yeah, they loved it. It was loud. Um, obviously, they were doing, you know, singing some songs there. You could, you know, during the middle of a Bon drive Jovi, and stuff. Yeah. Bon Jovi, and Sweet Caroline, and West Virginia. I mean, it was it was awesome experience. You know, to be in a different country. You know, to see how much the game of football, you know, has evolved over the world. Yeah, and just the exposure uh, that it's got. You know, the NFL's got. Um, it, it was awesome. All right, well, let's talk about your team. Uh, the defense uh, certainly set the tone. How impressed have you been with that side of the ball these last two games? You've only given up 19 points the last two games in these wins. That defense has racked up nine sacks, five turnovers. Why do you think that unit is is playing at a higher level right now? Uh, they're just playing together, you know what I mean? They're doing a great job with the preparation throughout the week, you know, to hold, you know, Carolina to, what, 10 points, and then now, or whatever it was, 13, and New England to uh, yeah. six. I mean, you're going to win a lot of football games when your defense is playing like that. Um, but it's been awesome to see the way the D-line's rushing the passer, the way the back end's playing, you know, swarming to the football, getting the takeaways like we're doing. Uh, we just got to continue that moving forward. And then after 10 games, your defense tied for fourth with 30 sacks on the season. Dio Dangbo's coming on to force Buckner's his consistent disruptive self. How impressed have you been with the pass rush? What are you liking about that right now heading into the bye? It's great. They're all rushing together. You know, they, we always talk about in the D-line room, Nate Allaire, D-line coach, four is one. Uh, you know, and just being on the same wavelength and, you know, especially with the games up front or whether it's a four-man straight rush, uh, just everyone understanding their lanes and where they need to be. 
um, and the technique they're using, you know, to get off blocks and, you know, mm-hmm. and get to the quarterback has been huge. All right, let's go to the mailbag from the fans. You can tweet your questions in or use them on X with the hashtag Colts Roundtable uh, every week with us. Head coach Shane Steichen joining us here on Colts Roundtable Live. Let's go to Andy's question first. Coach, uh, what is your assessment of Gardner Minshew after six starts? Is he in rhythm where he needs to be, or have the turnovers made him a little gun-shy in the passing game? Yeah, I think he's done a really good job the last two weeks of taking care of the football. Um, obviously, had the one tipped interception in Germany, but um, he's given us a chance to win. You know, Every single week, we step on the field, and uh, he's continuing to improve, and we got to keep improving mm-hmm. uh, as we get going here these last seven games. All right, this goes back to the pass rush. John is asking, do you see Dio Dangbo turning into a monster? What's gone into his rise? Yeah, shoot, he's been growing. I mean, I remember just in training. Training camp, obviously, it's my first year here, but seeing him in training camp, the way he was rushing the passer, and then you can just see the development and the growth throughout the season, uh, the way he's rolling right now and the way he's playing, and he's just playing with great tenacity and effort and toughness, uh, mm-hmm. and he's got great technique coming off the edge, and it's, it's paying off right now. That's head coach Shane Steichen with us tonight on a Tuesday. Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Let's go to Lionel's question. He's asking, now that we're 5-5 five and five at the bye, how's the season gone for you? What are you learning about yourself as a head coach so far this season? You know, it's been good. You know, I, I it, with any NFL season, you know, you're going to go through some adversity, you know, and you know, I talked to those guys before the season started, you know, who knows how the season's going to go. Shoot, we might win four in a row. We might lose three in a row. Like, you never know, but mm-hmm. we got to fight through those times. And, uh, you know, we lost three in a row, and, sure, we were going through some adversity, and it's like, hey, keep the process the same. Stay consistent because if we keep, stay consistent with our process and don't lose focus, you know, of what's ahead of us, this thing will turn. And now, you know, you win two, two, two in a row. Uh, going into the bye, um, but it's been great. You know, the process for me has been good. Again, I, I go back, got a great support, you know, staff around me, mm-hmm. obviously with Mr. Ursay uh, and and uh, and the family, you know, giving me the support um, that I need. And then also, you know, the coaches that I have around me, uh, it's been really good. All right, Mitch is up next. Uh, he's asking, what do we need to do this week to self-scout ourselves during the bye week? Yeah, we're going through that process right now, actually. You know, and a lot of it is, you know, looking at situational football, obviously the run game, uh, first thing down run game, first thing down pass game, third down, red zone, tight red zone, high red zone, two-minute backed up, four-minute short yardage. Uh, going through all those things like, hey, what are we really good at? Uh, how do we get better at it? And then the things, you know, that we haven't been good at, how do we improve those things yeah. uh, is the process we're going through right now. All right, a few more. Uh, let's go to Danny's question again. Hashtag Colts Roundtable to interact with us on the show tonight and every every week on Colts Roundtable Live. Danny's asking, how do you think defenses are going to play us the rest of the season? Will they sell out to stop Taylor and make us beat them through the air? That's a good question. If I was in their meetings, <laughs> I'd let you know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, obviously, we got to have a plan, you know, mm-hmm. for the unexpected. You know, we obviously go off what we see on tape, but we got to be ready to adjust on the sidelines uh, going forward. All right. Uh, Pete is asking, how compromised with Josh da- was Josh Downs on Sunday with his injury, and how impressed were you with him and the rest of the receivers stepping up and making contested catches in key moments? Yeah, no, it was big. You know, we had Josh in a limited role, uh, obviously going into that game. Uh, but when he needed to step up and make a play, you know, he made them. Um, and obviously, the third down was huge on the scramble that he laid out and caught. It was a huge play in the game. 
Uh, the receivers are doing a really good job of, uh, you know, getting open and making those contested catches, and we're going to mm-hmm. need that, you know, moving forward uh, these next seven weeks. All right, last one from Keith in the secondary. How much better is Daryl Baker Jr. getting after a slow start to the season? He's doing a really good job, you know what I mean? He's stepping up week in and week out, and I always go back to the preparation, the way he's preparing, the way he's practicing, and credit to Milo and, and Mike Mitchell, our DB coaches, uh, for getting those guys ready the back mm-hmm. end and, and uh, going through all the different looks and, you know, and, and getting them ready to play. All right, for you, Coach, what does uh, the rest of the week look like for you as you balance football but also precious time off? You only get one bye, and it's a grueling season here. Yeah, no, I, really the self-scout's big right now, just going through and self-evaluating what we're doing uh, in all three phases uh, to make sure we're going to be at our best uh, going forward these next seven weeks. Um, and then I'll get some time with the family. I'll take a few days and spend mm-hmm. some time with the wife and kids and uh, get some rest and relaxation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still with football at the hell my mind. <laughs> Can never turn it off, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Head coach Shane Steigen with us on Colts Roundtable Live. Coach, uh, glad you're back. Glad the team's back. Congratulations on the win. Five and five at the bye. Enjoy some time off this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Thank you. That's our weekly conversation with the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, a part of Colts Roundtable Live tonight, normally on Mondays, with you this week on Tuesday. We're brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit Citizens Energy Group. We're also brought to you tonight by Buffalo Wild Wings Sack Game Day Cravings with the $10 Colts meal deal complete with the All-American Cheeseburger, four boneless wings, and a half order of tots only at Buffalo Wild Wings available at select Indianapolis Buffalo Wild Wings locations. Additional terms apply. We're loaded tonight again with you until 6.30. When we come back, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights will get their big takeaways on the win over the Patriots on the tail of the tape. Then on segment three, we're hitting the pause button on the Colts season. They've reached the bye, 10 games in, seven games left. So we'll fill out the progress reports on the Colts as they get ready to hit the home stretch on the season. And then on segment four, we're taking your questions in the mailbag. Submit those in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable. So a very busy show tonight leading you into Pacer pregame at 630. We're coming back with a lot more Colts football talk for the next 45 minutes or so when we come back right after this. Colts Roundtable Live returns on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, welcome back. This is Colts Roundtable Live tonight on a Tuesday evening here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor. It's time now to welcome in... Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to the show tonight. Again, normally with you on Mondays. We're coming to you tonight on Tuesday following the Colts' trip to Germany. Fellas, welcome back. Joe, how are you? How did you uh, take in the game? Was it weird watching Colts football around 9.30 in the morning on Sunday? How did you take in that game with the – with the uh, with the family pouring some frosted flakes for the kids there, watching some football yeah, at the same time. Exactly, earlier church day and the game watching. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's it's one o'clock and you're 
the NFL is over for the day in our house, and it's weird, you know, because that's just <laughs> right. when it starts. But I remember right. that when I played it, and then, you know, Matt, you obviously were over there. So when you're playing the game, it seems normal, right? Because it's mid-afternoon, yeah. it's a 4 o'clock game. But for everybody else watching back in America, it's just kind of a weird feeling. But I tell you what, it was a cool week. It is neat when your team's playing overseas because obviously the NFL is growing that brand. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a it's anywhere near the Super Bowl in terms of importance, but I've always felt like those games kind of have a – Super Bowl type atmosphere in terms of just the party, the pageantry around it. And I'm yeah. sure that you and the Colts over there in Germany kind of felt that at some level. We, we definitely did. We definitely did. It, it felt uh, like a big game, even though it was just a, a week 10 regular season game against a Patriots team that was two and seven. It, it did feel like a very important game. And I think it was, Rick, a really important game. And we talked about this um, on the post game show just being in that stadium and and witnessing people's eyes light up when they would see you know Jonathan Taylor run for a first down or find the end zone i mean those people there there's a reason Rick why the NFL explored germany and is staying in germany through the 2025 season because there is a real passion and a major interest in the NFL they're very intelligent there it was just a really cool atmosphere to see I mean, they were there, Rick. They were there four hours before the game and in their seats taking it all in. It was a really cool atmosphere. It was really a special vibe. I, I really miss not being there. I've never had the opportunity to do it in my 27 years of coaching. I, I just never happened. It Obviously, it happened again this year for other reasons. But, uh, man, I, I miss not being there as I watch the game. Casey and I had a ball mm-hmm. listening to you with one ear watching it uh, three plays later. Um, really, really enjoyed that day with Casey, but uh, there was a real special vibe. There is something very, very special about that. You know, I think part of it is all eyes and ears are on you. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, and that's a big deal. That means that every peer, every family member you've ever had. I mean, that is a big deal when you know that the eyes of the nation are on you. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of a primetime game. It is a standalone window in the morning. You know, here back in the States, it's like that breakfast or that appetizer going into the main course, which is, of course, you know, the 1 o'clock window, the 4 o'clock window, then Sunday night football. So really cool experience for the Colts to show out in a standalone uh, football window and and get a win and now celebrate with the bye getting back to 500 at five and five so uh, Rick and Joe have both examined the game tape from Sunday so let's roll it out fellas it's time now for the tale of the tape cool baby raising hell today okay that's way to go fellas bang bang play bang bang keep the hammer down all right keep talking to one another man and clean it up that's all get ready get ready yes yes all right, Joe, we begin with you as the Colts offense. They failed to go over 20 points for the first time this season. Uh, they only scored one offensive touchdown for the second straight game. The defense gave up a season-low six points. Uh, they racked up five sacks, including a career-high day from Dio Adangbo, three sacks in the first half. What else, Joe, stands out to you about the Colts in Germany getting the victory over the Patriots on your tail of the tape? Yeah, I thought the defensive line really got after in the past game now. I thought we were a little bit loose in the run game. And, again, that's uh, just life with no Grover Stewart. I know we're a couple weeks away from getting him back. I thought Buckner dominated just as much as Dio. Obviously, three sacks for Dio. But, you know, Buckner was wrecking chop all game. And, uh, yeah, just kind of a weird game, right? They went down and scored, then we scored. And then after that offensive explosion in the first quarter, 
you had six points the rest of the game. And so it's a little bittersweet for me because while the Colts have won two in a row, you got yourself to five and five. You're in the mix in this just unbelievably muddled AFC. I mean, think about it. You have 12 teams right now, Matt, that are between six and three and four and five with the Colts right in the middle at five and five. And it's going to be really interesting the last seven games. But we're going to have to get better offensive production more points. I know there was a stretch where the only team in the NFL to have 20 points per game. But when you think about Carolina, 14 of those were scored by Kenny Moore and then 10 points now. So definitely bye week, I think, is going to be spent a lot of self-scout offensively. What do we need to do? And while Minshew hasn't turned the ball over, that's been a positive. You know, I don't know if he's a little bit gun shy or just the offensive production isn't there. But clearly, we're going to have to put some points up on the board these last seven games if we're going to want to win and keep ourselves in the mix here for a playoff spot in the AFC. Yeah, I just think it was a really special feeling. Uh, you know, the international component was obvious uh, with all eyes and ears. I think the Belichick factor also made it more fun. Uh, and then it ended up being a 60-minute game right down to the last minute, and you cherish those no matter what. I think the fact that the buy is here, everyone can take legitimately, normally you can't, legitimately a deep breath, get healthy, and get ready to go. And, the, you know, we had to get back to 5-5, five and five, and now when you look at it, the seven games are manageable, to mm-hmm. say the least, and the 23 season and I think probably unexpectedly, is totally in our hands the rest of the way. Story, as you guys said, was defense. Whenever you don't give up TD, five sacks. And the three biggest things that I look for week after week, the two turnovers, uh, Blackman's was unbelievable. I think, I think that we were, we were in a little bit of trouble there. I thought that was a tremendous play. The four red zone stops were absolutely amazing. They had mm-hmm. three 60-yard drives in the second half, but they couldn't turn them into anything. The red zone was great. You know, and then most importantly, and this is something that we haven't been good at, but in the last two weeks now, we have finished the fourth quarter on defense. Special teams, good. Mm-hmm. You know, we got the kicking that we needed. McKenzie's return in a tight game like that was huge. Offense started really well. Actually, we ran the ball early a little bit better than I thought we would. Um, and the first touchdown was really the decider. Little did we know that, but it really was. Right. But, you know, as the day went on, I think Belichick gave us his version of the Jaguar plan, and it really shut us down. You know, and again, I, we'll get into that in a minute, but, you know, all that bear. And then what he did a little bit different, he played a lot of man press, and then he played when he did play zone, it was really a tight matchup. So there was never much quick daylight. I know people are on Minshew. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But there was very, very quick, no daylight to go to. I think, again, it's a tribute to Shane. I think he is developing as a head coach, you know, beyond offensive coordinator when you get in a game like that. And Belichick was trying to win a game 9-7. to seven. That, that was mm-hmm. his whole game, shorten it run the ball at us, don't do anything wrong, you know, win it 12 to 10 or 9 to 7, and it was kind of working for him. And I thought that Shane did a good job. There's sometimes that when you know your defense is not going to let him score, a good head coach just pulls it back. And I've seen that with him. I, I see that developing. That wasn't necessarily there a month ago. So, you know, I, you know, I think I will say this. I am thrilled to death with where we are. I think when we sat around the tent in Grant Park in August, if somebody would have said, you know, 
that Gardner Minshew is going to be the quarterback, and we were going to be 5-5 five and five right now, I believe we'd have taken that. Yeah, and I was going to say, Coach, you know what I think Shane really has, and I think it's a feel, I think you can develop it, but he coaches every game offensively to win that game at that present time against yep. that defense in the flow of the game, right? And he's not just going to yes. say, this was our game plan, we're coming in to do it. And to your point, if Belichick's trying to win it 9-7, to seven, we'll win it 10-6 to six and we'll be happy doing it. And I think that's something for a first-time head coach that's impressive. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I believe that totally. And we didn't necessarily see it in Cleveland. If you go back to Cleveland, there were some situations where he could have managed that better. But the thing I yep. like about Steichen, he self-checks himself. He he is not afraid to change immediately, to change that style. I think you hit it perfectly. Belichick wants to win at 9-7. We'll win at 12-10 today. And that, that really takes something for a guy who's really – you know, pretty much considered a genius offensive coordinator to all of a sudden say, hey, we're going to sacrifice all those numbers today because yeah. we're going to win the game. That's exactly what they did. Colts fans, remember the weather authorities are Fox 59 and CBS 4, Indiana's largest and weather rate certified most accurate weather. Also, Colts Roundtable live tonight here on a Tuesday night. brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. All right, that's the tale of the tape. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights and their burning reactions after the Colts improved to 5-5, five and five, the win against the Patriots, heading into the bye. And now seven games to go for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll find out and also check in with this team offensively and defensively on the progress reports on both sides of the ball when we come back right after this. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live, leading you into Pacer pregame at 6.30 tonight. It's the Pacers and the 76ers. Back with more Colts conversation, though, right after this on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, welcome back again to Colts Roundtable Live. We're brought to you tonight by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips always at citizensenergygroup.com. All right, so the Colts are victorious in Germany. Now they're on the bye. They're 5-5, five and five, seven games to play. They hit the home stretch of the season. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, when they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Lucas Oil Stadium, that's the next timeout for the Colts on the game field. So let's discuss, fellas, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, where the Colts are at with some progress reports heading into a week off. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. As I said, 5-5, five and five, Gardner Minshew playing in 9 of 10 games at quarterback. He's had six starts, and during this two-game winning streak, Colts beat Carolina with 198 yards. They followed that up with 264 yards against the Patriots, but they've only scored one offensive touchdown in each of the last two games. However, they have scored at least 20 in nine of 10 games. They ranked 10th in the NFL this season with plays over 20 with 39 plays on the season. So they are explosive. But generally speaking, as we've said, the probable blueprint that teams are going to use to stop the Colts in the final seven games, they're going to stack the line of scrimmage. They're going to take away that running game. They're going to try to slow down Jonathan Taylor and dare Gardner Minshew to make some more throws in the passing game. Joe, so what does your progress report say on the Colts' offense with seven games to go on the progress report on the offensive side, Joe? Yeah, when we sit here at the bye week, I'm giving us an A-minus offensively for a couple reasons. One, we're top ten in points. We're 12th, I think, overall in yards. You know, our one offensive stat that's hurt us is turnovers. I think we're 21. 
And I think, Matt, while you make a good point, we scored one offensive touchdown the last two games. We're 2-0. and And, you know, when Kenny Moore scored 14 last week and we talked about kind of the slugfest this game was, you know, we scored 38 against the Browns, and that counts as an L at the end of the day in the scorebook. And I think we've done a better job of keeping things tighter, not turning the football over. But, again, Coach mentioned it. Gardner Minshew's played in nine of our ten games this year, and we're five and five, and, and we're in the middle of a very packed AFC, but very alive in you know the playoff race. And I think if you're going to say you've done that with your backup quarterback, I think you got to get a lot of credit to the offense because I think offensively uh, we have definitely overachieved to where I thought it would be at the beginning of the season, especially considered Richardson has missed the time that he has. Yeah, you know I, I look at this. And I look at what, you know, what are we going to have to do to get better? We talk about the seven games are winnable, but what are we going to have to do to uh, make a run on offense? Because as good as we like what we did, you know, you were working, you're, you're working against two bottom feeders that can't score a point. You get one that scores 13, one that scores six. And, you know, that, you know with, with that kind of offense, you know, you don't have to do much to win a game. But that, that's not going to happen so much even going forward. I mean, I, I watch Baker Mayfield, you know, with Evans, you know, and with Godwin. That's a different – that's back a little bit more towards some teams we played early. Yeah. You got Joey Burrow, the third game, you know, going in. I mean, you, you're, you're not – those teams aren't going to get 13 or six points. So I, I think we have to be really critical – uh, we've talked about this. It's the same thing. Everybody's applying because that's what this league is. And and again, they're they're playing that bare defense on first down. And you know we, it's just. And Joel will tell you this. It's really you can't. We did it a little bit early. And Jonathan made some runs, some three or four yard runs. But you can't sustain a pure zone running game against uh, that bare defense with the safety down. We have to get a little bit more variation because we don't want to say, well, Jonathan Taylor is not going to win this game. we got to win it with our receivers. So I think we still, as we look at ourselves in the bye, we've got to use a little bit more two tight ends that looks like two backs where you can power kick, where you can run whams, where you can do different things to keep Jonathan alive and not totally rely on the passing game because – what they're what the other thing they're applying is it's that tight man to man. They have no respect for our receivers. We really need to get Downs back because he's the one guy that can really create without the scheme. But they're doing a lot of that. And so, you know, I think we've got to figure out, you know, how to get free access for Pittman quicker in the down. You know, we're yeah. trying to run over routes, which is all right against man coverage. And thank God our offensive line really held up if you really look at it. I mean, our offensive line, we're number 10 in fewer sacks given up, and people are criticizing Gardner for holding the ball. But if you really look at it, there's no fast separation, very little fast separation. And what he did a great job of to me, I think it's a kind of a better job than we give him credit, is he uncovered, he got out and moved so much better than I ever expected, and he makes big plays, including – from an offensive standpoint, the biggest play of the game is the throw and catch by downs because yeah. that was so big. It, it took them out of timeouts. It also made it first at 85 from where we punted the ball. But, I mean, we have to figure that out. I don't think that we can get in a comfort zone and think we can really win this way and sustain it. I think that's important. And then at the end of the day, though, you know, I talked to Miss Sherry about that. If they put nine guys inside the numbers – you know, that's eight guys in a free safety inside the numbers. 
you know, our receivers, they're getting paid. They're going to have to win mm-hmm. outside. I mean, they, you know, at some point, you know, numbers just beat you, and you got to be able to throw it outside and get it there. So, you know, there's a lot of things we got to get better at, but we really, we really have fallen off offensively in the last couple of weeks. Hey, Colts Roundtable Live tonight's brought to you by Hotbox Pizza. When the Colts score, you score. Check out your favorite Hotbox location for 50% off your entire order every Monday and Tuesday, in this case, here on this week's show, uh, this season with promo code Colts. Again, check out Hotbox Pizza for that. Again, I'm Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wright's on the program tonight with you until 6.30 on Colts Roundtable Live. All right, that's the offensive progress report. Let's go to the defensive report here at the bye. So uh, New England, obviously, they're not going to be confused with the best offense in the NFL, but to hold an NFL team to only six points, really, really good stuff right there, as we said. That's the fewest points the Colts defense has allowed in a game since the 2021 season. Uh, The defense finished the game with five sacks to go along with six tackles for loss, two picks. Uh, The Patriots 0 for 4 in the red zone, and it's a really good bounce-back performance because the Colts, prior to these two games against the Panthers and the Patriots, they were giving up you know, at least 37 points in three straight games, three straight losses. Uh, so the Colts have responded by allowing just one touchdown and four field goals over the last 120 minutes of football. So, Joe, again, back to you. What is the progress report for you on the Colts' defense with seven games to play and the amount of momentum they have you know, potentially generated here in these last two wins? Yeah, mixed review for me because, again, you mentioned that Browns game, and I just think while our offense gave them some points there, just what we did at the end of that game uh, in the fourth quarter, three minutes left to let them come back and go 80 yards. I hope doesn't come back to, to catch us when he gets down to numbers and crunching and, you know, the playoff formation. But I think our defense has been good when we've been aggressive, and I think when we've blitzed and we've been – aggressive schematically we've been good and if I have to give an MVP I'm giving Buckner 1A and I'm giving Zaire 1B Kenny Moore is obviously having a great season as well but you know Franklin comes back 12 tackles Buckner I think has just been you know a menace on a different level and I think the other thing Matt is he's inspired those younger guys to play like that on the defensive line a because he's commanded a bunch of double teams but b just with the effort and the tenacity that he brings so for me these last seven games I want us to keep dialing it up I want us to keep being aggressive I want us to keep bringing guys five and six guys I know you know we have some issues on the back end corner wise but it seems to me that the games that we're winning we're continuing to get pressure with either our four guys who are bringing five and six and I I just think that's something we don't have, you know, Pro Bowl lockdown corners on the outside. So I think we got to find creative ways to bring pressure and we got to stable the ship in the run game. Buckner's got two more games. Sorry, excuse me, Grover Stewart. And then he comes back and he's a difference maker. But obviously we're going to miss him for two more. So Patriots got loose a little bit running the football and and we got to shore that up. Yeah, I, you know, I I agree. I think there's two things that we did uh, in the Carolina game. Uh, it was not necessary. It wasn't the it wa- it wasn't really the game plan for this week against the Patriots. But the two things we did in Carolina, which I think we have to carry through the seven weeks, is pressure. Like Joe said, we can't be a 14% pressure team. We've got to be somewhere between 30 and 40 to apply that pressure. I think number two, we have to continue to realize with those young corners. We got a mix cover two, cover eight. We did a terrific job against that a week, you know, two weeks ago. But last week with their receivers, that wasn't the way to do it. You had to play them inside, you know. And the thing that I really like, if you want to just look at statistics, these were things. Now they're not 
glamorous statistics yet, but these were things we were in the bottom three in the league. Our red zone now has slowly creeped up to 18. Our takeaways, 11. Our fourth quarter defense, now we've lived at 32, is now up to 16, and our sacks are up to nine. So, you know, there is no doubt that there's a lot of improvement, but I think those two things that we just talked about are going to be critical. I don't think you can play Mayfield without pressure, without cover two, same way with Joe Burrow. I don't know so much about Levis, but those two out of three I do know. Now, I would say that the alarm, and this is an alarm, um, I think, you know, when we get Grover back, it'll be a huge factor. But, you know, again, uh, 167 to the Patriots. When yeah. you knew that's all they were going to do, right? Uh, four point. I mean, that. I think that's what crazy. The week before, 138, 4.9, and we're not stopping it right at us, you know. And obviously, without Grover, we have a huge void. But we're also, just like I said, on a positive side, we did a lot of different things against Carolina. We got to do some different things till he gets back up front. I mean. You can't just sit there in that over every single down, and they know, and you don't have a nose guard that can really win. And when Buckner goes out because he has to get a rest, it is it's just Katie by the door. And then we got to play speed over Leonard. It's the mm-hmm. elephant in the room, but Leonard is giving us zero. We have got to have speed in there because on first and second down, when teams are going to run it at you, you got to have your hammers, and that's speed. Hopefully, Franklin stays healthy. And then we got to move that nose, and there's no reason that we can't line up in a five-man bear, just none. But I think you're going to have to stop that because we cannot continue to give up that running game with some of the quarterbacks, which are going to be better here in the next month. That's Rick Venturi. Joe Wrights is along as well. I'm Matt Taylor. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, which is brought to you by McDonald's. When the Colts score, so do you. Buy one Big Mac and get another one free when the Colts score a field goal. Only in the McDonald's app. Matt Gay connected on a 51-yard field goal in Germany the other day, by the way. Also, tonight's show is brought to you by Caesars. Enter for the People Sweepstakes, presented by Caesars Sportsbook with the Caesars Rewards. For your chance to win a Peyton Manning autographed item and a $250 gift card to Jack Binion Steak at Horseshoe Indianapolis Racing and Casino, visit Colts.com slash Caesars for more information on that. Must be 21 or older to enter all right time for a quick time out here on the show when we come back though we're taking your twitter questions get them in i guess we're taking your x questions i always get that wrong every single week i'm not conditioned yet to say x so get them in on x using hashtag colts roundtable i know joe Wrights is huge on x so just uh, get his location and send him your questions and we'll take the best ones that uh, joe decides are worthy here on the show we'll do that when we come back You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. We are back. We've got a handful of minutes left here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight on a Tuesday, normally with you on Monday following Colts games, but because of the Germany trip and Getting reacclimated to the Eastern Time Zone. We're back here on a Tuesday, leading you up to 
Pacer pregame, bottom of the hour. It's the Pacers and 76ers tonight right here on The Fan. We are brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts' conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. And, again, we're also brought to you by McDonald's. Field goals equal deal goals. Buy one Big Mac and get another one when the Colts make a field goal during any game this season, only in the app. That happened on Sunday. Again, Matt Gay connected from over 50 in Frankfurt. It's time now for the mailbag. You can tweet in your questions and get them in on X. Again, there I go again, uh, not able to get it done on social media. Hashtag Colts Roundtable is the best way to do that. Uh, let's go to Justin's question first. This is for Rick Venturi. He's asking, Rick, as a former coach, what's the verdict on Shane Steichen through 10 games? Where do we have an advantage with him on the sidelines, maybe compared to years past? Well, I'll be honest with you, Justin. I, I think it's a great question, and I've been around now since 212 again, and I honestly believe this, that we never are at a disadvantage with Steichen as a head coach. And I haven't felt that way necessarily for the last 12 years. I'm not saying every game, but I feel like, and I think Joe hit it, that he's game specific. He goes in to win this game. And I never feel like we're going to get out coached at the head coaching level. Some things that he's brought that I really like, he's brought a quiet accountability. And, you know, I like that at the professional level. He doesn't make a lot of statements about players. He doesn't get into that. But if a player doesn't play well, he doesn't play very long. And I really like that. He's brought cutting-edge football. You know, when he when he had Richardson, he brought an offense to us that very few people knew and mm-hmm. could do it. But then he flipped right over with Gardner and has played a totally different offense seamlessly and done that really good. We've seen creative stuff in the game. I mean, you know, he stole timeouts with people with those uh, – Line changes, as, as, as Matt says. Yeah. I mean, he's done stuff like that. And what I like and what I've noticed, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I just think he's growing as a head coach. I think the last two games were really good by him because rather than try to just go wild and score a million points, he knew he could win it tight. And he was willing to subjugate his offensive thinking a little bit and let the defense uh, really take over. So, no, I think we really, really have it right on this one. Like I said, I never go into a game now feeling we're going to be out coached. All right, let's go back to the mailbag here. Again, hashtag Colts Roundtable on Twitter on X to uh, get in your questions with us every week here on Colts Roundtable Live. Rick Venturi, Joe Wright, I'm Matt Taylor. Let's go to Don's question, Joe. Don is firing up. What is the most beneficial aspect of having the bye, Joe, this late in the season? As a former player, uh, what do you recommend the players get out of the bye this late in the season with seven games to go? Yeah, always good to have the later bye. That's the first thing you look at when the schedule comes out. And it's advantageous because, one, you get physically healthy. You get a chance to rest and all those nicks and bruises. Two, you get to unplug a little bit more mentally and emotionally. And I think that's players and coaches, too. And now, all of a sudden, instead of having the bye week and coming back and saying, well, we got 11 games or 12 games left right, and right. maybe the playoffs, there's seven games. You're in that sprint to the finish line. I just think mentally, emotionally, you know, spiritually, it's easier to kind of hone in to say, hey, fellas, every game now, it's a seven-game sprint to get us in the playoffs and get us in the dance. And I think it's going to be really nice just mentally knowing, hey, we got our bye week and we're not coming back and playing until after Thanksgiving. And so I think this is a big advantage for the Colts and hopefully something that we can continue to be healthy not only physically but also mentally recharged in late December and January when you're trying to win these critical games and get yourself in the playoff race. 
All right, let's go back to the mailbag. We got time for maybe one more. And uh, Rick, I know you wanted to talk about uh, Dio Adangbo. I know Shane Steichen talked about it earlier on our segment here on segment number one, but I know you had some good thoughts on Dio. Let's go to Gary's question regarding that. He's asking, why is Dio exploding? And is he close to turning into a star on the edge for us? Yeah, I think he really is. I mean, Dio, even when we got him, now we got him hurt, and there was going to be a year, and there was going to be a growth period, and there was going to be a a period where we figured out where he fits better. But what Dio has, he has great athleticism. He's got really, really loose hips. He's versatile as all get out. He can play first down on the edge. Uh, I don't I don't think necessarily he's a great edge rusher, but he's a really good football player on the edge. And then where he becomes a star is on third down when you put him inside opposite Buck, and Buck gets all those doubles. I mean, he just killed those guys Sunday. I mean, they couldn't – that Sal kid, he still can't find him. He really can't find him because <laughs> he has so much athleticism. I think his confidence is growing. I've always felt, and I said it last week actually when I was asked – that he is definitely going to be a double-digit sack guy. I, I think, honestly, the only thing that will ever prevent him from being a star is just not necessarily playing 60 minutes in a game. I just, I am really impressed. I'm not totally surprised because I loved his athleticism, but it's coming to fruition now. All right, that's a look at the Colts mailbag, a part of Colts Roundtable Live. As always, getting those questions for us every week using hashtag Colts Roundtable. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll take a look at the AFC South standings and also the AFC playoff picture with the Colts heading into an off week here in week 11, 5-5 and through 10 games. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We'll close it out in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Hey, welcome back for the final time tonight. Colts Roundtable Live is presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And tonight's show is also brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. So a quick look at the AFC South standings. The Jaguars are 6-3, and three, but they lost to the 49ers on Sunday, 34-3. to three. The Texans continue to roll. They're 5-4. and four. They beat the Bengals impressively on Sunday. Colts are 5-5. Five and five. Titans are 3-6. and six. Now, the, if the uh, AFC playoffs, if the playoffs started today, the Colts would be on the outside looking in on the AFC playoff picture. They currently rank 10th in the AFC playoff standings, again, with a record of 5-5. Five and five. All right, before we give way to the Pacers and Pacer pregame here in a couple of minutes, closing arguments with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. And as we talked about, Joe, the Colts get a, a precious week off, uh, really kind of their, their first extensive time off since late July when training camp started, uh, but now a chance to rest and refocus for the home stretch. What do you try to get accomplished here on the bye week as a former player and, and getting ready for – a grueling, you know, month and a half left of the year here. First off, get healthy, and Rick will say this from a coach's perspective, self-scout. What are teams doing? What are they going to play us, especially, I think, offensively? How are we going to handle what, you know, coach would call the Jacksonville game playing against us? But I always felt like I didn't do this early in my career, Matt, but the good players self-scout too. Okay, I'm 10 games in. What have I done well? 
what can I get better at and how can you're not going to make huge improvements here and there but what do I need to really focus on technique wise the last seven games to play my very best and so hopefully the coaches have given those to their players and the players have also done some self-scouting their own here this bye week to get ready to roll when you come back. Yeah, I think it's important that everybody gets that deep breath. You can take it right now. But I think Shane has to tell these guys when they leave, when they're out of here, and impress with them that this, when they come back, whether it's Sunday or Monday, they come back totally committed. You know, when we started in July, it's a marathon. Now it's a sprint to the finish. It's got to be a total sense of urgency in my opinion, the future is now. The one thing I like about Shane, he doesn't back away from saying games are big. It's not one of those, well, it's just the next game. No, he said it He said it with these two right, going right. in. And self-scout is really important. I think it's, it's sometimes when you come off two wins, uh, you tend to not want to be as critical as you should. But when it really comes down to it, we've got to figure out four things. On offense, how to run versus the bear. And number two, how to get receiver separation. On defense, how to stop the run right at us, that scheme and personnel. And we got to maintain coverages and pressures versus certain teams that are much better passing teams than we've looked at the last two weeks. All right, Rick Venturi, Joe Wright, bringing it as always. That's all the time we've got tonight. And a great job for the fellas per usual here on this Tuesday edition of Colts Roundtable Live. Again, my thanks to head coach Shane Steichen, who joined on the first segment, if you missed any of the show tonight, again, it's going to be posted here shortly. Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network will have it. That's anywhere you download your podcasts. And reminder, we will not have a show next Monday. No show next Monday night following the off weekend for the Colts on the bye. So we will not return on this program until Monday, November 26th, following the Buccaneers game. But Pacer pregame is next. Again, the Pacers in Philly tonight against the 76ers. Thanks for listening to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night.